Hello, hello, everybody. Wait, when do I introduce myself? Fuck! <laughs> this is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, B. And I... And I am your co-host, Remy. Hi, guys. Remy, you dropped the ball. I had to pick it up. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's okay. And it's this episode. Like This it, episode. Destroyed all higher thought processes. We're fine. <laughs> we're we're great we're great this episode was buck wild y'all it was batshit insane and i was here for it it was a 42 minute fever dream that felt like three hours so in honor of the mood we are actually (laughs) today going to be splitting this episode uh, across two No Chocolate Moment episodes because you guys don't want to hear us record for five hours. It it gets ugly. And, like, looking at this episode, it had six episodes worth of content. So it's only fair that we split it up. <laughs> it it very, very much does, yeah. And, and, and... Since we're entering into another hiatus after this episode, we've got we've Impromptu got all the time. Do hiatus, yeah. We've got all the time in the world. So two weeks, two episodes, one supernatural experience. Shit show. <laughs> <laughs> and and this episode that we're speaking of uh, happens to be season fifteen, episode thirteen. Destiny's Child. Of course. Of course it's this one. <laughs> Which was an episode written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming and directed by Eamon Cotterali. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's the description there? The description for this episode reads... A search for one thing that may give the Winchesters an edge against God leads Sam and Dean to Joe's door and to a secret that may have died with Ruby. Meanwhile, Cassiel asks Jack to do the unthinkable to help the brothers in their quest. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, the unthinkable, it's it's unthinkable because they didn't think about it. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Okay. Like, they literally brought the hashtag Yodo from last episode into this one. Like, Cass just took it to heart. <laughs> we're fine. We're we're fine. We're fine. Uh, and we open with, you know, I can't even say what we open with. Because, because we, we have to talk about the pizza montage. I was waiting for you to bring that up. I had a feeling that you yeah. had a feeling about it. <laughs> what? You think? You think? Oh my god. In in the recap for this episode, um we open with the pizza man, which dovetails oh so nicely into a montage of Dean stuffing his face. Full of pizza. Full of pizza. 
That's it. <laughs> Remy, that's not even feelings. There's not feelings. There's that's no feelings. Thoughts. That's a soulless reaction to it. Where's the emotion, Remy? <laughs> I was so confused. I was momentarily delighted by the fact that we are revisiting the pizza man. We had Meg. We had Ruby. We had pizza. Pizza. <laughs> I was momentarily delighted and then very confused very quickly. I it's this beautiful little bottle showcasing what this episode's emotional <laughs> core is going to feel like. <laughs> Do you understand why it's there? No. <laughs> you see who are the characters participating in it? Are they motivated by anything besides some base need like hunger or thirst? Like if if this episode is going to the very primal part of my brain and it's just like <laughs> shut down all the higher processes. You don't need to think about shit. Just react, react, react. This is the wild and you're in fucking danger. <laughs> See, that's a fucking meta, B. Good job. No, again, this is just, this is the base OS that is operating. <laughs> like, the bootstrap has activated, and then the rest of B is like, nothing computes anymore. We've stepped into a different reality. This is the quality content we're here for. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, the recap has pizza, 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 then Jack is going to kill God. Yes, cool. and death reciting that destiny that Sam and Dean have. Mm. And it didn't sit well last episode, and it doesn't sit well again on this watch. Especially since, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but yeah, we're talking about death coming in to talk destiny and the mission and uh, and, and playing you know, guide to the Winchesters uh, on this quest to to defeat God. And Lisa does come back this episode to play a similar role, and it just doubles down on, okay, we're going, I don't know, what, what, what am I trying to say? We are being guided into this thing. Well, like, death isn't an impartial figure anymore. Death is now an active player in where our characters are going. And that's a very curious place to be. Yeah. Yeah. For reasons. For reasons. Tam, tam. <laughs> but this episode, the very first scene, is Sam and Dean researching in the library. And they're looking for signs that Chuck has moved on to destroying their world. But so far, it doesn't seem like any of the top news sites are bringing up any hits. Right. No no sign of Chuck on this world, but uh, uh, Dean throws out this very pessimistic line like, uh, yeah, but he's pretty busy elsewhere if, if he's out destroying universes. Yeah, this is a looming threat. And just because we can't see the destruction doesn't mean that it's not happening. And I'm going to have I'm going to have some some Chuck thoughts here because. You know, it was all fun and games last episode when we talked about in Saul Chuck destroying worlds, but uh, uh, this episode didn't really didn't really give it any emotional weight to the fact that like Chuck is out there killing billions, and 
And no one seems very concerned about that fact. I feel like that's just a limitation of being a person. Like, I have to worry about this planet, this universe. I do not have the bandwidth to process my fears for these other universes. Like, what what can we do? We can't teleport in a billion other universes, seven billion souls. Like, it's just... They can't think about it because they have to protect their own. But to that point that you bring, like, what is the emotional stakes for it? I mean, for what it's worth, the introduction of this alternate Sam and Dean just shortly, that to me, it's not textual. But when you think about it, like, that's the fear right there. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking of the alt worlds that we've seen before and we just had Kaya and and now we have this new Sam and Dean too and I'm just like I and it also ties in with what I think what I wonder about death's motivations so I don't know I'll talk about it a little bit more when Lisa comes into the picture okay but Eurochesters yes the fucking are they European (laughs) Um, there is noise and rumbling that is coming from the armory. And so Sam and Dean go to check it out. And from behind the closed door, you can hear the sweet, sweet 90s ballad of (laughs) Savage Garden's I Want You playing. And when they throw the door open, there is a rift. And in front of it, there is a Chrysler Fiat. And there are these loafer-wearing, collar-popping versions of Sam and Dean throwing a fist bump to each other over the top of this car. (laughs) I didn't even think about the fist bump over the top of the car. You couldn't do that with the Impala. She's a boat. No. (laughs) And just, again, their language, because Dean here is saying heck and, like, nuts Uh and, like, what? It's it's like my whole being recoils from it while also straining forward for more. I don't I'm so confused. You, you're you're like a moth and you see <laughs> the flame and you're like it's so dangerous, but like I I can get a little bit closer to it. I'll be fine. I I see the flame of beaded bracelets and the high ponytails and I just I can't resist. The bare ankle. I was like, that's the most scandalous thing I have seen on this show in years. Sam's hairy bare ankle (laughs) taking the center of the screen. I was just unprepared. And I don't think I'll ever be repaired or prepared. I will never be whole again. What uh what what is what is happening? And that is what our characters are obviously thinking in this moment. What the fuck is yeah. happening? Our Sam and Dean are running just question marks across their face. <laughs> the other Sam and Dean are like, "Yay, it worked." And then the rift crackles behind them and then all beans they disappear. <laughs> and Sam and Dean live a kind of life where they're just like yeah, that doesn't even crack top five of things to worry about right now. Like, we're just going to leave this room and go find Cass and be like, so guess what was the weird thing that happened today? 
<laughs> yeah, no, man. I don't know. I, I guess it, that just happened. And Cass is confused, like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> and they're like, we don't know what we're talking about. That's the problem. And like you mentioned, our, our good Lord Billy here shows up. <laughs> and, and no time to worry about all universes anymore because... Or, well, actually, no, Billy talks about all universes. You see, you see what this has done to me? You see? Do you understand? It's like I'm running the Goldfish OS. I'm like, what happened just one minute ago? What's happening next? I don't remember despite watching this episode multiple times. Billy, Billy pops in to, you know, shed some light on the alt-world situation and say, well, they were running. They were here because they were running. Because God's blowing up worlds. We should do something about that. Except, no, we shouldn't do anything about that because we have to worry about our own world. I maintain that she's worried about this world because our impression from last season's Michael is that there are multiple deaths. That's There's the a death only to each universe. Yes, that is the only thing that keeps me going because I I feel that slowly but surely we're pulling away from the old Billy from even even the Billy that had newly become death. She she was the perfect neutral cosmic yeah. good kind of thing. I I can't even I can't even say like neutral good. She was just perfectly neutral and now she is the meddlesome death that Chuck pulled his lip up at in the finale of last season and and I'm yeah. kind of getting distrustful of Billy and her motivations at this point, which is not a place that I want to be. Oh yeah. Just just for the character. I really like her character, but I think that a lot of what informs our opinion of her is the things she says about herself. And she says them with such authority that we take them as fact. But in reality, she has biases the same as anyone. It's like there is no person who has a 100% neutral perspective. And so she seemed like that was what she was because that's what she was telling us she was. Mm -hmm. But in reality, she's been meddling since we found out she was death back in season 13. Yeah. And wouldn't let Dean die. <sighs> because in season 13, in episode Funeralia, there was kind of this looming threat of if things get too out of balance in this world, I'm going to do a fucking hard reset. Like, that she had the capacity to basically be like, things are going too far off rails, and you won't like me if I decide to reboot it. So, now, where is that Billy now, though? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that there was this impression given that she is maintaining things in a particular fashion that, at first blush, is a neutral, like, keep the calm, keep steady, keep on course. But what we're seeing of her actions is actually not at all that case. 
hi, I'm going to pop up out of nowhere and I'm going to tell you about the Malik box and that that's the only way to get through this whole Michael situation. And that Malik box becomes awfully convenient for sending Jack off the rails. And once that takes place, well, then, of course, Chuck has to come back. And what do we know about death's history with Chuck other than, and I'm going to reap that bitch, too? I don't know. Like, I, I'm i with you that it's like, I want her to be the neutral fair, like, the old death of being, yeah, the apocalypse is going down, but it's none my business. And, and... It's one part, like, I loved that neutrality, but I also loved how big death is compared, yes. like, bigger than God, bigger than than anything. Like, the, the death of universes, that was the old death. And then we started kind of, you know, meandering away from that. And death just used to be so above it all but in this fascinating way. And now when we introduce the concept of like multiple deaths or a meddlesome death, it, 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 it's just, it's starting to diminish the character. I think. I don't know if I would say diminish because the original death was always a death. Like he was death Mm -hmm. and Billy was a reaper. And as we've seen of other Reaper characters on the show, they have their own impulses, their own motivations. They don't come with this inherent neutrality. And so for Billy to then die and become the new death, there's no saying that that's the way she had to be. I mean, at she's giving that impression. But the farther we go along in this season, the more we can be like, what is death's motivation? Because like we mentioned last episode, she made no promises about her plan being for the good of mankind. And this episode, uh, I would say, is actually reinforcing that. Yes. We are growing as an audience more and more wary of Billy and her motivations. Yes. That Sam and Dean, I think, especially from last episode, we get the impression that, you know, their spines straighten when Billy's in the room. They do have a lot of respect for the clout that she maintains. But we're seeing in this episode, Dean question that. And then we also are given information based off of spoilers, not spoilers, the entity from the empty Mm -hmm. and how they are like, no, 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 I do not give a fuck about you guys. I care about what death has promised me. Mm -hmm. So again, death has the perception of being someone who doesn't make deals, who doesn't barter, who doesn't plan and plot and need allies. And yet we're seeing that, no, 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 Billy, our death as it is, does do these things. And so we should really challenge our perception that death is neutral. But but then on, um, on allies, she says we need you the world needs you sam and dean you and jack and this and that and destiny has a plan for you but she is definitely not working with the winchesters she is 
using them and placing them how she wants them to be for, you know, whatever her motivations are. And that in and of itself is making me very uncomfortable because she is keeping our our protagonists completely in the dark and they're just going along with it. They are being guided. They are being directed mm-hmm. towards this destiny. And just in this season alone, with the reveal of, of God's betrayal, this is the one thing that we have been fighting against and trying to shake off the the entire season uh, the entire series like free will and having been a pawn in a bigger game being a puppet it's the thing that brought the winchester's world crashing down in the first few episodes of this season and now i feel like they're just falling back into it with with no fuss and it is creepy if you ask yes me. yes it goes back to that repetition in the recap of death is giving them a destiny and if there's one thing we know about the winchesters is they rebel against that and i feel like the fact that they aren't rebelling is just a testament to how deftly billy is pulling the scales over their eyes you know They don't even really realize that they should be balking against this. I I hope that this is resolved in a satisfactory way. And we're not just using death as a convenient, uh, like, Ducef Machina for beating God. Like, I don't like the idea of using death just as like, okay, we're against God now. We need... The, the Winchesters need some kind of, like, trump card. So death. Death can be their their new powerful ally. The one, the one that can actually, you know, stand with them against God and give these puny humans a chance. But that, that just, that seems regressive. I hope that it is bigger than that. And now, as I'm talking, my mind is like, no, 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 Remy, no. Because what you're saying is that you want death to be a bad guy. And... You want the Winchesters to prevail over all of their puppeteers. Remy, I think that's what we're going to have. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I love the idea of Sam and Dean and Cass and Jack having unexpected allies. I mm-hmm. really do. But I feel like this episode in particular is... Sowing the seeds of distrust for Billy. No. <laughs> yep. I liked it when she was. I liked it when we were talking about the epic roundtable we were going to have with Rowena and Michael and the entity and <laughs> death and all of these things. And it's like, if if you can't tell, I find myself internally in this struggle of the Winchesters having those unexpected allies and the Winchesters being alone prevailing against all. Because we like seeing Sam and Dean have allies, having friends outside of the family. And 
to be like, oh, this is another ally that they have to betray or they have to kill or, you know, along Mm -hmm. that lines. It's like, damn it. Like, why can't we have one neutral figure? Like, that's, Mm -hmm. I feel like, why death no longer seeming neutral is such a blow is because you can no longer count on Billy to kind of be on the sidelines and no, 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 I'm neutral, but like, I might slip you my ring. I might give you a hand from time to time. We're not getting that Billy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm just feeling that loss. And you're going through the five stages and feeling a little adrift for it. Yeah. Yeah. And also this conversation is where it came to me um, to think like there's there's a surprising lack of outrage or urgency towards, you know, this whole Chuck is murdering world situation. But yeah. I'll take I'll take what you're laying down and saying there there's nothing they can do. They're not prepared to do anything, anything more than what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to be lucky if they can prepare to save their own world. And Billy is saying as much like, we're running out of time. Chuck is almost done. And when he's done, he's going to be here. We need to get the next ball rolling. And so she literally hands Jack a quest. (laughs) Jack walks in with his bread sandwich. And, uh, and yeah, uh, Billy says, Jack, are you ready for your next mission? And I mean, it's literally like your mission, should you choose to accept it, is like uh, press F with the NPC to accept. <laughs> like, I'm... She says, she says, quest one was for the body. Step two is for the spirit. More spiritual in nature, she says. Yeah, we can't say soul because it would be too on the nose. <laughs> we can't guess that. But like body and soul. Oh, weird how those pairings go together. No, body and <laughs> spiritual. Yeah, okay. It's it's the same hand waving that was uh that was the the intro on hey look it's meg hey look it's ruby but also pizza so much hand waving like i feel like that could be an episode itself of just me going like how many times did they say in theory how many times (laughs) do i have to take a shot because they're like we don't not know i'm like please for the love of god that's not logic that's just shorthands if i tried to write a story with that i would get skinned (laughs) like but we got a spiritual quest for Jack, which is to go find this thing that literally translates to hidden. <laughs> Sam, oh, that's Latin for hidden. What is it? Where is it? I don't know, Sam. It's fucking hidden. <laughs> Billy's den pan just like, it's hidden. <laughs> I love her so much. It was very good. And yeah, we don't know if it's a weapon. We just know it's powerful. And she reminds them, like, please, you dumb babies. I know you're on the chessboard now, but don't be stupid. Please don't be stupid. There's high stakes abound here. If if God finds out what we're doing, it all comes crashing down. So just don't be stupid. Yeah. 
So we cut to them researching in the library. They're going through books, trying to find more about the occultum, but there's just questions galore. And this is where Dean is pondering the mission goals, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, if we kill God, then what next? Because in balance, Amara remains. What do we do with her? Yeah, we did We did a little uh, uh, switcheroo this episode where uh, now it is Dean asking the same questions that Sam was asking last episode, which is, this is weird, right? We have death who's telling us that we're gonna be the harbingers of death for god that's crazy right and then jack's gonna kill god but then what about amara what about the balance of of all things like isn't it true that if we kill god but Amara's still out there that the world will just eventually fall to darkness whatever billy's telling us is definitely not accounting for that even though, again, I, I mean, not to pick a bone, but just Do last it. episode, Dean was the one who said, well, you know, death probably has a plan for that. And now I don't know if it's if it's uh, Dean getting a weird vibe like we've been getting a weird vibe, but mm-hmm. he's starting to he's starting to doubt the things that he didn't just just last episode. Yeah. I think it is the aftermath of Billy's appearance and that spine straightening and now they have a chance to relax and be like, okay, I should have asked these questions at the time, but I didn't. And like the whole question of imbalance, I'm like, wasn't Amara locked away forever (laughs) until like season 11 and there wasn't like a big fucking deal about that? Is it... (sighs) I, I just I just have to think that that's why he locked her away instead of killed her because it was like as soon as death came into the equation if one of them is off the table completely then it all goes to hell where previously she was locked away but not gone and then even with the finale of eleven uh, uh, Amara dealt Chuck a mortal wound and he was dying. Which meant that the world was dying with him. And and the solution to the problem was, okay, if I die, then you have to take out Amara. And that will restore the balance. So it was going to be a, 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 a an all or nothing kind of thing. Like, I'm already dying, which means that there's only one thing that we can do. We have to kill Amara as well. Which I struggle with. Because there's this line between... I am attached to the universe and my life sustains its life. That we're like constantly changing. Yeah. I I will agree with you that I don't think that it has been very consistent. Um, We, we brought this up um, with season 11 with the introduction of Amara. And when God was dying, the world was immediately falling, falling into darkness it would have been apocalyptic, like, in the moment, which I think more closely ties to what you were saying on, like, my life force is t- is woven into the universe, which I think is where we started with, well, no, never mind. Maybe that's not what you're saying, because, I don't know, the narrative well, back then was all about balance. Yeah. 
Well, I'm just wondering this whole, my life sustains the universe's life. Okay, so we kill Chuck and the universe blinks out of existence. That I don't think that, that, that that's been the... Well, that's not what they're telling us, but I'm also like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have Chuck gets injured and so the world starts dying mm. with Chuck dies and the universe keeps going. Yeah, I'm trying to remember in episode 12, was it episode 12, The Trap? No, it was no, nine. nine, nine. 12 was last week. God, I feel like we're on episode 16 right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got about that many episodes worth in this one. So it's, I aged 10 years watching this fucking thing. <laughs> well, in uh, The Trap, I'm trying to think of in the future that uh, Chuck was showing Sam, did they kill Chuck or lock him away? They locked Chuck away. See? Now I'm just throwing my hands up like, but that's what they did to Amara! Like, I'm really not trying to get into a discussion about this. I'm just saying that that is another inconsistency. Like, they're inconsistent with what soullessness means, and they're inconsistent about what God's existence means for the world's existence. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know. We'll see. But but I really just don't like this conversation at all. No, because, I know. Because here Dean is saying, so so here's what I think should happen. I think that Jack should also kill Amara. You know. Yeah. Wash our hands of it. It's done. Then we're good. We're we're golden. Two um, left turns is the right turn, right? <laughs> right. 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 Uh, But I don't know. That just sat so wrong with me. One, because it was weird. I I feel that it was weird um, Dean talking about Amara the way that he was, given their relationship. And not, not, and when I say that, I don't mean, like, their weird, twisty, romantic, forced thing. I know Uh, jack shit about this plot line. (laughs) i know you haven't seen season 11 but really where the last that amara and dean interacted i feel like they came to an understanding that that wasn't so an antagonistic as no but i do see that like dean is working through the logic of if Mm -hmm. billy's plan is jack kills god then God's death means Amara's death is necessary. It's yeah. not like Dean sat down and drafted his Kill Bill list. He was just like, if we got to keep balance, then that's kind of a necessary thing. And he's looking at it in a cold fashion because if we don't get a handle on this, if we don't deal with God, our world gets destroyed. Yeah. And and I'm probably also kind of projecting on the the situation because i mean amara is just out in reno doing yoga and living her best life she's not doing anything she's not hurting anybody and i also think if you're following this logic of okay kill god kill amara like where does that end kill the entity kill death like let's just go through the list like 
when yeah. that is the solution, where does the solution end? If you're constantly knocking the Jenga tower just a little bit out of line, like I I also don't really get the what what the point of this conversation was. Like why what was the takeaway? Because doubt because, death. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's the takeaway. Yeah. Because Dean is sitting there going, we don't have enough details of what's going on. Like, hey, Jack, has Billy shared with you how you're going to kill God? And Jack goes, eh, something like that. Like, he doesn't know. Yeah. And I don't really know why they brought up Amara, but it, it, feel, it felt intentional. And I'm curious to see where this is going to come up later yeah. in the series. I feel like it was brought up because it's pointing to that, where does this end? Like, how do we mm -hmm. keep balance? Do we just keep making cosmic entities along the path we're taking? Mm -hmm. This path that Billy has set out for us. I think another huge takeaway of this conversation was throwaway, though it might have been. We have here Sam asking the question, well, okay, then God's gone. Amara's gone. Who takes over? Jack? Yep. Like, that's what this scene is serving, is to get us the idea of the stakes and also, like, what's the aftermath? Mm-hmm. And, and that idea, uh, this is the first time that it's coming into the actual texts of, of, the, of the season, but we've been speculating on it since, since the end of 14. If, if God is the final bad guy, then then who who does take God's place? Who does, you know, ascend to keep that balance? And yeah. is it Jack? Jack seems to be the logical answer. Well, Jack is the option based off of power levels, but based off of experience, no. Like, they show as much by having Jack appear in this scene, and he blows a bubble of bubblegum and then pops it, and he's like, hmm, <laughs> I just learned how to do that. Like, it's like, no way does this kid have the experience level to become God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm now just thinking about Michael and how he, uh, in The Spear, last season he brought jack to him and he said you can ascend to something well he was saying even me stop playing around with the humans mm -hmm. embrace your angelic heritage and like this time with them is inconsequential because you will live on a timeline so beyond their experience that you might as well slough them off now in game, it's too big. It's just too fucking big. And that's what Dean is basically expressing. <laughs> oh man. Another day, B. Another day. Seven minute we're not even at the seven minute mark. <laughs> okay. So uh Jack comes in and then Cass follows closely behind. Now it's a party. Yep. He's ending a call with Sergey, and he has a possible lead now for where this occultum is. Um, we get a sense that it's divine in origin. It was housed in a temple, and Dean throws <laughs> in a little guessing game here. Uh, that oh, I just love it when they get playful and they they the 
the actors and the actors' relationships, they, they sell it so hard. And it's just these little glimpses into the, I don't know, the chemistry between the actors. And it's so great. But yeah, Dean saying, was the ancient temple plundered by pirates? No, Dean. Uh, dug up by Tomb Raiders? No, Dean. How about seized by the King of the Dead and his uh, warlords? Yeah? Am I close? Yeah? And Cass's face is just like my face, which is, we don't have time for this. <laughs> All of the shit that is in this episode, we do not have time, Daniel. <laughs> no. No, Dean. It was, if you must know, it was looted by invading Mongol hordes for trade on the black market. The, the black market. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my next guess. Yeah. Got it in one. Yeah. And Sam's face is my face. Oh, <laughs> Cass's face was my face. <laughs> but yeah, so it was on the black market. And the long and short is it ends up owned by this Hiram Jacobson until his son fell ill about 10 years ago. And he turned to a faith healer who demanded the occultum as payment. And the description of this faith healer matches Anael and her money-making scheme. So the boys are off to take a look. Yep, off we go. Uh, that that whole that whole occultum story was one of those like uh, buckliming patent exposition info dumps. And I'm just oh like, yeah, I started to glaze over about three sentences in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, honey. We got more of those afoot. I'm so glad you're so good at summarizing. <laughs> so yeah, Sam and Dean locate the sister Joe and they bring up Hiram's name. She says she won't give details because of patient confidentiality, but um they mention the occultum and she starts looking shifty. Yeah, we have we have sister Joe who's got her she's 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 got a a, a tractor and like four american uh, uh, sorry a mural or like a a fucking wallpaper tractor behind her and three or four different american flags in this room and i'm just like well let's not let's not be gross about the american midwest can we just like calm down a little bit (laughs) oh and see i'm canadian i was like i recognize this hall i've been here (laughs) i mean like swap out the flags but yeah bitch this is familiar territory (laughs) there was literally one point my brother and i were watching and it was in one of the flashbacks but we're like i recognize this hall like we there's a dime a dozen across the prairies here yeah it was very you know red state kind of kind of vibe yup <laughs> yeah so she's asking well why do you need the occultum and they say to kill god and chuck's going to murder the world and she just refuses to make god her enemy so they have to threaten her by drawing out their angel blades oh and she's instantly like you wouldn't and then yeah. eh, like it was a bit of a betrayal, too. I mean... Yeah, it was an escalation beyond what I was anticipating for them. Yeah, yeah. She says, you wouldn't. And they said, yeah, we we really would. And maybe it's just a testament to, again, the scale of things that they're operating with. They can't worry about these other worlds. They are looking at this one mission. It's all they got 
but also like what are the costs for it and so i mean one angel has to die for us to get a hold of the occultum that will be a small price to pay to save the universe to, uh, i i i like that little backflip you just did but i also i, I got <laughs> so bent out of shape working myself out this episode I I would also posit that this episode, there are many, many continuity issues this episode, but here for NIL, for Joe, um, we seem to have conveniently forgotten that she has been something of an ally the past couple seasons. Yeah. She plays like she's neutral but she actually has these deep feelings and she's more than a money grubber or a label whore that buck lemming likes to write her as Mm -hmm. but that's what we get yeah so anayel admits that the occultum isn't with her it's with someone else ruby and there's no shock to hearing ruby's name here just a why her question thank you Thank you! I'm like, Sam, can you, like, react like a normal fucking person and not like someone wrote lines for you? Because what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, like, I have a literal paragraph written down about my concerns with this timeline. But for the context here, she gives us a 10 years ago backflash. Sorry. (laughs) A 10 years ago flashback. Which is Anayela Topeka when Ruby comes to her pressing for information that she's holding out. Um, Apparently they're not friends, they're occasional allies. And Ruby knows that Anayel has the occultum and Ruby can get her a buyer for a cut. Is part of your paragraph for the flashback the outfits that they're wearing? No, I... (laughs) I trusted you to take care of that. You, you mean there's more to there's more to the absolutely fucked timeline that we're apparently working with than the fact that they're dressed like either seventies seventies uh, every day or nineties nineties Spice Girls, yeah, yeah, and like this is allegedly oh eight. <laughs> like it has Legibly. to be 08 oh yeah it is because the long and short of it is we are smack dab in season 4 and and Ruby is just like cool with an angel that she supposedly has uh, history with even though uh, as far as I knew she, Ruby had never seen an angel before and was very terrified at the prospect in season four exactly like ruby 2.0 came on the scene in that four months where dean was in hell end of Mm -hmm. season three start of season four anayel says like oh i like the upgrade in your meat suit it suits you better than the blonde which means that she knew ruby before that time point and if that's the case, then she knew Ruby in season three at minimum, which, again, doesn't explain Ruby's reaction to angels appearing at 401 Lazarus Rising. Or Cass's, our kind haven't walked this earth for millennia. 
Yeah. Or the fact that Anael fell with the angels at the end of season eight, which and had never in, like, been on Earth before, as she said, twenty twelve. <laughs> so like we we've clearly entered into an alternate timeline here for some fucking reason. It doesn't fucking work. I'm excited that these two would like have history. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that what we're being told for a second. Like I, I refuse to process it because it just does not fit with what we know of season three, season four, and season eight, season nine, <laughs> season thirteen, season fourteen. And I, yes, yes, supernatural is has been running for a very long time, and they are notoriously bad for. For retconning and they overlooking details and all all kinds of continuity issues, it's it's part and parcel with with having so many different writers and having so many episodes. But but this writing team, especially, is just an egregious de- uh, offender. Yeah, they will make the MacGuffins as it pleases them, even if it contradicts things we've saw in the past, like the Archangel Blade. Okay. And there just seems to be this impression of, oh, you know, like, that might have been the timeline, but who cares? Because this would be cool. Yeah, yeah. We have berated them before for uh, just having written their story with a we don't care make it work kind of attitude we just want to do this so we're gonna do it yeah and fuck continuity yeah yeah well it might not even be like a hostile thing it might just be like belligerent like i don't know and i don't care to know i just want to do this like it yeah I, I, it really just feels like an I don't know, I don't care. And it's at moments like this where we, it's moments like this where it really, really does feel like we're just spitting in the face of of the show itself. And, well, and, and like the- of other writers on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of all the attention like all the detail that we got with fortuna just like two episodes ago explaining the origin of the gods like that is something that was crafted with consideration of canon in mind and also sensitivity to like actual religions out in the world like it took the time to be like, here's what we've established, and then here is a piece of the puzzle I can add to it that will make a more complete picture. Rather than, I don't know what puzzle you were building because I just threw it on the floor and I started building my own thing, and maybe the pieces match with that puzzle, but I don't really care. I'm just going to mash it and maybe cut the pieces until they fit the place where I want to put them. It It's hard not to take it personally, it's uh. when you see what attention and what depth they yeah. can give the canon in the show, and then you see this happen. 
And it just feels like a slap because you're like, did you do your research? Did you put all your effort in or did you just do what you wanted to do? I would love to have the confidence that these two have of just, <laughs> I'm going to make whatever the fuck I want happen. It's it's disrespectful. Yeah. Uh, but, but I love that you're bringing in that compare and contrast with Fortuna's history and weaving in that new piece of canon and doing it right versus whatever the fuck we are doing four times over in this episode. Because yeah. because it's just a continuous fucking thing. It, it's not it's not just one thing. It's always multiple things. Yeah. And and it's so We've said it before, but when there are so few episodes left in this in the show, I hate, hate, hate that there's so much of a given episode that you just have to ignore for sanity's sake. Yeah. yeah. It's like it didn't happen. It was fun in the moment, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Cool thing. I can't process it as canon because unlike the Fortuna bit which is a new piece that I get to puzzle over and see how it fits and oh yeah it makes a cool picture this is a new piece that I'm like no it doesn't fit with any of these things and so what am I supposed to do with this besides put it down away from the rest of the picture yeah yeah like we struggled the same way with the new information in episode two of Hell-touched souls don't get to go to heaven. And that's been brought up, but it has not been dealt with in any fashion so far. And so, okay, that contradicts what we understand of canon. But I can find some view that, okay, that, that picture looks okay. You know, Chuck retconned however it pleases him to fuck over the Winchesters. Yeah, he put okay. his pieces how he wanted them to be. Yeah. But this, I'm just like, time. <laughs> time says, nay, nay, not possible. But that's a lot of time spent on this. <laughs> but, but, but that is a huge thing this episode in that, you know, it was great. It was great fun to see uh Daniil and Jin being together in the yes. scene and acting together and 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 you know what like hey Ruby's back like that's really yeah. fun and like this could be fun like Ruby was letting people have their souls back for like cash money like that's a new detail to her uh-huh like there is fun of it but i'm like i can't even get like a good taste from it a mm -hmm. good long lasting taste because it's only a short term reward and a long a long term headache yeah yeah exactly a short term reward and a long term headache so you just have to enjoy it in the moment brief as it is and then move on and i i i'll say again it's a shame that it has to be that way um but but that's that's that is what it is and yeah and we we have a lot of good besides that but yeah yeah it makes me think of age of ultron which is like <laughs> i had fun watching it 
but it was a shit film. Like, I'm not taking anything greater from that other than, uh-huh. yeah, I had fun, but it was bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. But from this conversation, they discover that the occultum is stashed in hell. And so, well, fuck, I guess we got to go after it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next scene, we see Jack in the kitchen, and he is consuming tons of fast food for reasons unknown to me. He's We're taking... kind of trying to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking advantage of all the uh, free delivery deals at your local eateries during these difficult times. Remy, yeah. that's too real. No. no. <laughs> too no. real, Remy. No I'm delivery cuddling fees. back into my blanket. <laughs> He's got Chinese food. He's got fried chicken. He's got pizza and a hot dog and french fries and burgers and a 60-ounce fountain drink. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know what I like about returning from the dead? You appreciate life more. Except I can't really because I feel so far removed from it because my soul is gone. He's like, I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I wish I you could see my feel, face. I can't feel, so I eat. Yeah, I'm like, bitch, same, but like, <laughs> I don't make a thing about it. <laughs> yes, I do wish I could see your face right now. Oh. Picture a frog, picture a toad, picture something with multiple chins, <laughs> recoiled back. Picture your dog when you're trying to feed it like a healthy food. It's like, fuck that. Uh, Jack says, you know, when you come back from being dead, you you really get into all that life is. And as he's stuffing his face with chicken, fried chicken. I, I, I'm I starting to think it's a fetish, but... They love fried chicken. They love the fried chicken. I should put that on the bingo. And, <laughs> and Cass sits down to say, yeah, so are you into it? And uh, that's when Jack is like, no, I, I can't feel... I can only enjoy my slushy. <laughs> Yeah, he could feel things before, and he felt them deeply, but now he only understands feelings as a concept. Like, it's one distance removed from him. And even beyond that, he remembers what it was like to feel so deeply, and, and, you know, filling the void um, jokes aside, he's, he's saying that... there's something that he, as much as he's capable of, he regrets in knowing that he once felt these things, but now he is also very aware that they're not in him anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of that chase that we're seeing with him right now. Like, if I sample enough of these, maybe one of them is going to ping something on my radar. Mm-hmm. And then, feeling-wise, he is bringing back Mary. He is saying that he understands why Sam and Dean were angry about, quote, what happened to Mary. It's it's that one distance removed again. Yeah. And Cass isn't letting him get away with it. He's saying, he corrects him by what you did to Mary. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I guess that's the way it is. Yeah. And honestly, we've talked about it a lot. Soullessness. And especially in Jack's case, how this soullessness is is being, I guess, written or presented. Yeah. In Jack. And you and I have had some differing opinions, but but I think that we're both kind of in agreement that the writing's been a little waffly on soullessness and Jack, but yes. but here I think this what Jack is saying right now is the closest they've gotten to to true like understanding of the soullessness and Jack. I. I'm with you, but I'm also like, is does it feel like it's the truest sense because it's the last flavor they're going to give us before where we culminate in this episode? Because I can't shake Jack at the end of season 14, where he had this manifestation of guilt berating him and saying all of his doubts, like convincing himself that... Sam and Dean don't care for him and all this. And like, he's going, you're lying. Like, I don't believe you. I can't believe you. And he goes through a like three episode long struggle with it where he even goes to his grandma and like just looking for familiar or looking for familiarity and still knowing what it feels like to be rejected. Like it, yeah. I do think that there are some shorthands that are needed because acting is a very visual medium that requires us to interpret these internal landscapes. But, I mean, to Alex's credit, he can convey so much with so restrained a palette that he's allowed to paint a picture with. And because he can convey so much with so little it makes these more elaborate gestures be like, holy shit, they they let him act. He was finally <laughs> allowed to act. Like- <laughs> yeah, this episode, I said just last episode that I felt like we didn't get enough from Jack. Um, I, I still felt kind of on unsteady ground with Jack's return. This episode, I think that we got back into the groove of things. Alex did a great job. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, Jack is back. This is, yeah, yeah he it was great. My scale must be, like, so far removed from yours because I was like, there's too much. Like, I'm very <laughs> Victorian in my senses where I'm like... The boy showed an expression. Shame him. Hide him away. <laughs> I I was just used to like the subtle palette that he works with. That seeing big emotions from him, I'm almost like feeling like it's an overreach. Like it's almost over overreacting, uh-huh. overacting. Yeah, because it is just so much more than what we've been given. I that that that's true too, uh, but. On, on the soullessness and how we're presenting a soulless Jack, um, I really think, like, yes, look at this episode. Look at how he's talking about Mary and feelings this episode versus what you were saying, what we got in season 14, 19, 20, and 21. Uh, wait, no. 21? 18, yeah. <laughs> Always yeah, 21. 18, 19, and 20. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> 20 fucking one. I just oh, made really? up an episode <laughs> entirely. <laughs> Season Look. 16, episode 21. <laughs> so so yeah and i as you were talking about season 14 i'm thinking like well you know the only time that i ever really bought soullessness from jack would have been in episode 19 of season 14 where jack came to uh sam and dean when they were calling him to the bunker with prayer and Jack was saying all the wrong things and trying to explain himself to to Sam and Dean on what happened to Mary. And yeah. and that was also a Bucklooney episode. So I guess mm-hmm. what I'm saying is the only people who can actually write Soulless Jack is Buck Living because here, this is actually, I'm getting a real like, okay, this is Soullessness done right. As opposed to what we were getting in the uh, in the uh, final arc of season fourteen, because we were really struggling with soullessness and Jack because it wasn't it didn't it didn't really fit with how soullessness as a concept didn't really fit with how he was being written. I don't think. Well, the way that he was being written was leaving that gray area. Maybe he still has a soul. Maybe mm. he doesn't. Whereas I feel like Buck Lemming does a great job of just flattening that pancake and being <laughs> like, this is the range. Like, I don't like this scene. I will say that. I understand all of the text and I appreciate its explanation, but it feels so exposition-y to have Jack sit there and be like, I do not feel heat or cold or sour <laughs> or sweet or umami. I am soulless. And just like it just reads so on the page for me that I'm like, snarl next. <laughs> really? Because this was uh interesting to me. It was engaging uh, uh to me to see Jack uh act this way because I th- I just feel like we've been struggling with this idea of like soullessness and Jack and I was like oh there it is we found it finally it only took us you know up until the episode that spoilers not spoilers he gets his soul back but yeah I I I kind of I kind of I, I liked it I liked it no <laughs> and no. and moving on <laughs> Yeah. So Jack senses how things have changed, especially with Dean. And Cass makes the point of saying that Dean feels things more acutely than any human I've ever known. And, you know, it might be possible he works through it. All he needs to do is throw a temper tantrum and then have a nap and he'll be okay. (laughs) And Jack is like, well, how long will that take? And like me inwardly, I'm like six episodes, depending on what kind of blow up you have before that. Cass will tell you, don't worry, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was good, too. Did you like this part of the scene? Yeah, but I also felt like it was discrediting towards Sam. Like, Sam was struggling last episode. You could see, like, he wasn't able to put on the brave face all the way. But I guess because he made the gesture, that means that he's more forgiving and I'm like no like the whole themes of last episode was doubt but I guess we don't consider that yeah 
Uh, actually, it's so funny you say that because it was during this scene that I just kind of had a thought that um, for the first time in a long time, I I kind of felt a little uh, jilted on Sam's behalf because I, I feel like he didn't get any sort of like forward focus in this in this episode uh uh i don't know i think it's really just as simple as we got a lot of dean shots and not a lot of sam shots and i think that's more the directing than anything but um it's because jared was on vacation or he this was one of his light episodes oh really that's my understanding at least okay 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 so so that makes sense i was just thinking like it, uh, it, and it wasn't anything specific, really. It was just something that I thought this episode was like, I feel like I'm wanting for Sam this episode. I'll tell you, the specifics for me was, spoilers, not spoilers, the church at the end of this episode, <laughs> where they're like, we have an angel with superhuman strength. We have a Nephilim. We have two humans. Let's make one of the humans hold the door. <laughs> And, like, it was so obviously, like, Jack and Dean and Cass in one scene and uh-huh. then Sam in another being like, guys! Like, just every <laughs> once in a while being like, fellas, I need a hand! And I'm sitting there, I'm like, bitch, you guys are having a conversation about this jawbreaker that Jack just swallowed. And then you guys aren't even like, maybe we can have this conversation by the door. Like, maybe both of us could lean on one door while we're having this conversation and then Sam would be a little stressed out. <laughs> I don't I just know. fucking love it. Okay. <laughs> I again I'm I feel like this is Age of Ultron all over again. I'm having a <laughs> blast and I'm hating every minute of it. <laughs> that is the I'm best description so much for fun. this episode. <laughs> and I hate it. I'm having so much fun and I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but, but okay. Jack, Jack is, Jack does say here, like, you know, Dean especially, um, I feel that our relationship has changed and I don't know if he'll ever be able to forgive me. And then they talk about Dean, but it did um, ping my my radar that, oh, but Sam? Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Sam hugged him upon reunion. <laughs> it was sufficient emotional input to appreciate affection. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm gonna stop that voice. I fucking hate it. <laughs> so, so, enter so Dean and Sam. Yes, we have Sam and Dean back in the bunker. They're coming down the uh the the stairs, and uh they're talking about the hell portal spell, and they're saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to hell, I guess." Um. And Sam thinks that he can pull it off, and Dean delivers this awful, awful little, okay, sandwich. This delightful sandwich. Jensen Jensen looked so pained to be saying it, if you ask me. He, I mean, I don't know. And then I was like, I was... I was kind of like, oh no, what did they do? It's like sometimes Buck Lemming's on Twitter, but they don't know what they're reading. They're like, oh, that's clever. I'll do that. I liked it. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, I'm glad. <laughs> we are on, like, opposite ends of the spectrum for this episode. <laughs> I love it's it. It's a fucking it's melancholy teeter-totter just swinging back and forth. <laughs> So, so yeah, Sam thinks that he can pull the spell off, and Dean says, okay, sandwich. Sounds good. And Sounds like a plan. A witch. He is a witch. He, Sam is very witchy, and I am always here for it, but... Just not in name. Just not... Remy's very adverse to naming him. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a shipper name. And yeah. and it was kind of an okay boomer moment for me. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Buck Living? They were like sandwiches. That's cute. That's a food <laughs> and a person now. Next scene. Next scene. We have this. They go to <laughs> crazy awkward time jump where we had we had Cass who was talking to Jack and then we hear the clang of the door and we cut to Dean and Sam entering the bunker and then Cass comes in to say like guys we have a problem and I'm like what what problem you were just in the kitchen and then we went we go back to the armory and surprise we have these incorporeal F- f- figures of our Eurochesters stuck in a wall in the armory, and Cass is explaining the situation where apparently they've been there for a little while, and the whole time, like, were you talking to Jack in the kitchen, like, while you knew that these people were just, like, stuck in the wall? I- I- I'm very confused. There is so much in this episode <laughs> that I feel like the deleted scenes are going to be an episode long. Because if I'm only. with you. There's this time jump because, yeah, Cass must have discovered this because of something he needed in the armory. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, look, I did not leave Sam and Dean here. <laughs> and then, oh, guys, you better go check this out. They're busy trying to find signal in this <laughs> interdimension space. The best Cass can figure is that if their world exploded behind their rift in theory in theory while they were crossing over then when they got sucked back in they got trapped between dimensions because they're here but they're not really here so yeah and dean's like are they in pain nah and then he's like okay cool doesn't hit top five we gotta go (laughs) They'll just come back to it once the occultum situation is dealt with. So they oh catch Cass God. up, and then Cass is like, wait, it's in hell? The, the fuck? Like, you guys got this from Anael? I don't trust her. I'm like, okay, Cass, where is this coming from besides the script? Exactly. I literally, in my notes, I'm like, why Cass? Why Cass? Why is Cass the one that's doing this? Because Cass's for- last notes with her was like, you could come with us, you know? Yeah. Have your people. And she's like, no, I'll be alone. Yeah, but he was absolutely extending that hand and saying, like, be our ally. And, you know, it was it was just like the definition of, oh, you're not so bad. But, yeah. but here, when Cass said, and you trust Joe now? What's with that? Like, yeah, Cass, what's with that? Why are you, why is this here except for the script? Exactly. 
Yeah. Like, why are you shitting on her all of a sudden? Uh, yeah. And also, he forgets, apparently, that her name is Anael. Well, yeah, because Buck Lemmy forgets that, too. Mm-hmm. But... But but Cass is saying, like, and, and you're trusting Joe now? You're going to go to hell? Excuse me? And Dean and Sam are just like, yeah, yeah, can you come, you know, hold the fort for a while? Yeah, keep your foot in the door while we go teleport down there. And Cass is like, okay, we don't have enough information to actually be going ahead with this. But, like, more than that, hell is way too big for you guys to just go down there and play needle in a haystack. Yeah, yeah. If Ruby was the one who hit it there, then we need to talk to Ruby. Like that's a logical thing oh, to I do. Know. <laughs> we've ever, we've always thought, mm, that dead character. Let's just go talk to them. Like we can see with like Bobby, we can see with the humans, but when it comes to like angels and demons, it's like, nah, bro, they dead. They dead. This has but this is unprecedented. In theory, though, it'll work. <laughs> Sam and Dean are just like, no, we we got our mindset on this hell trip. We're fucking doing that. And so, Cass, you maintain the spell. We're gonna get gone. Yeah. And also, the words um, uh, "intimate relations" were. Were uttered twice. This is why the pizza man was in the fucking <laughs> recap. We had to be primed for pornography. We had to be primed for certain characters. We had to be primed for the pizza man line that certain character was going to deliver. Mm-hmm. Man, when was the last time we saw Busty Asian Beauties on screen? Man, could I just say it was too soon ago? <laughs> I really should have broken out the buck living bingo for this one. I really should have. Fuck. I'm pretty sure that both sexism and racism is on there, which, like, t- two for two, man. Yeah, God, get them in one. They're like, Jesus. So, <laughs> so We're Sam and Dean. Fine. Yeah, we're fine. Cass is going to hold on the fort. Sam and Dean are going to go to hell. And we're there. We're there. Because yep. we have Sam and Dean entering the the um, b- basalt? Basalt. B- Basaltic. B- basaltic. Uh, hell hallway. And immediately they come across a very, like, confused and lost looking demon. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, what are you guys doing here? And they're asking after Rowena, but apparently she's holding a reception for newly condemned souls. Because <laughs> that's a thing we do now. And Sam and Dean, well, can you bring us to her? We've got business with the Queen of Hell because that's just our lives. Yep. And I just love the idea that Rowena is making these changes where she just wants to chit chat with all the souls coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to 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 get sit down here, you must be interesting in some way or another. Hmm. How can I bring you into the fold? Kind of uh-huh. like, or maybe it's just like catching up. Like, hey, girl, I recognize you. You finally got here. Who did you in? Oh, cool. Like. 
I, I I love it. I want I want so much more Rowena. Oh, me too. I can't wait until we see her again. We better. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh. But yeah. This demon is going to take them to Rowena, and so off they take on foot. And back in the library, Cass and Jack are having a conversation where Cass is essentially distrustful of the information Anael gave, so he plans on partly killing himself, <laughs> going to the empty, and asking Ruby herself where is the occultum. Oh, oh. The deadest of air. It's like, I know, I know that we have to talk about it, but I... <laughs> I, I don't... I, I swear don't. to fucking God. I'm gonna only... I want you two-thirds... Ki- no. Let's do seven-twelfths. No. <laughs> I want to be 87% dead. Can, can, uh, as Jack says, um, can someone be almost dead? In theory. Yeah. <laughs> In theory. It's your favorite phrase this episode. It there was just so much MacGuffin logic happening. Like so much hand waving. I mean, really. It- they didn't have time. They're like, we can't get into this. You just have to go with us. And I'm like, okay, hey, cool, I'm gonna, but I have questions later. <laughs> and what led to this is Cass saying uh, kind of thinking out loud to Jack to say, "There's just, there's just too many holes in Joe's story. Uh, who was the buyer that Ruby was supposedly going to? Why wouldn't Joe try to get the cultum back? Why hell? Why all these things?" And Cass is convinced that the only way that they can get any real information is to go talk to Ruby. So I guess we're just going to fucking do that. Sure. Yeah. The impenetrable space that is the empty. We're just going to go again, stick our foot in the door, kind of prop that fucker open, run inside. Yo, Ruby, what's up? And then like run (laughs) our way out as soon as she responds back. And she'll be helpful. You know, she will. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's not like Cass wandered the empty for some indeterminate eternity, eternity before finding anything, and then and then also that anything happened to be the cosmic entity that now wants him dead, or yeah. better than dead, hurting quite a lot. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah. <sighs> Like, to that note, the entity being in there, Jack is reminding Cass, you you remember that the empty dislikes you, right? And Cass is like, yeah, but he has faith that the deal they made in season 14 will protect him. You know, I'm not happy, so yeah. I can't be taken for that reason. And since that's our deal, I'll be protected. I'm like, buddy, again, so many gaps to your thought process. Doing the <sighs> unthinkable. Doing the unthinkable. When I wrote that down for the description, I was like, I was, eh, it's fine. Yeah, like, I really don't like the, I'm just going to throw myself into death behavior that Cass has and that we saw 
we saw from Dean in season 13 with the advanced thanatology episode. Where I'll just kill myself, go talk to the ghosts, and find out where to find the MacGuffin to get rid of the bad ghost. But, as our friend Mariah pointed out, uh, this uh, Cass, you know, suicide, um, let's just go chat with, you know, the other side, it really missed the point of Dean's similar, um, I don't know what to call it, suicide. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, yeah. His similar suicide um, in that, like, on only the most, like, surface level, Dean was saying, like, I'm going to go talk to the dead people and then I'll be right back. Um, when really what it was about was Dean's depression. I Well, I, I say for this, this is giving us insight into Cass too. Like, Jack is given the quest of powering up to the point where he can fight God. Sam and Dean are told they are destined to be the harbingers of God's death. And Cass is told that he is a valued member of our team. He needs to sit and throw some potpourri into a bowl every ten minutes or so. Yeah. So as far as Cass is concerned, he is a soldier. He is a tactician. He weighs the pros and cons of things, allegedly. But he puts a plan into motion to further the cause that he is behind. And as a cog, as a puppet, I mean, he is a part that can be risked. So if he can risk himself, but acquire this knowledge they need, they being Sam, Dean, and Jack to further Billy's goal, then Cass is going to do it. Like, Cass doesn't have any value on himself for this. And we're seeing that because, I mean, spoilers, not spoilers, when he talks to the entity, the entity even says, Billy made no mention of you in her plan. And that's, to me, where Cass is sitting with this. I like that. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I take back what I said. We do get some insight into into Cass for this for this insane action, and you know it's it's also not it's not anything new. We've done this multiple times. We've done this five or six times in the history of Supernatural. These these suicide chats uh, with the other side, but the, the one of the key differences is that every time that uh, Dean. Uh, "Quote unquote," temporarily killed himself to to go talk with with somebody. Um, he he never went to heaven to do that. Yeah. He was still in the in between. So this idea of for Cass a little bit dead is uh, it's absurd in that way. Yeah, we're just yeah. gonna go to the empty. Okay. Yeah, and just like a little bit, we're just gonna go in a little bit. I mean, we're going to be fully there, but it's really just a little bit. And like, you don't get both. And here, Jack, just put my life force in this flask and get, when I'm done, bring me back. Which I had well, a... It, 
Yeah. Jack, use your powers to siphon off my life force. Apparently, if Jack's eyes aren't glowing, it doesn't fucking count as using his powers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, does Jack only using his powers a little bit not count or something? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then, then also, what is, what exactly is an angel's life force? Because, yeah. We have seen that removing the grace from an angel makes the vessel human again. And I'm just like, what? But we also saw, like, when Lucifer was fucking using angels as his own Capri sons Mm -hmm. in season 13 that, like, he could siphon to the point that they died. So... Like, there must be, on the spectrum of angel alive and angel dead, like, the closer you get to angel dead, there's, like, a midway stop of becomes human and then, like, (laughs) a complete jackknife turn back onto the spectrum of being like, and now you're heading towards dead. (laughs) So, so what you're saying is we just needed uh, Jack to, to accidentally like spill a little down Cass's collar and, uh, and then we got human, human Cass. Oh, don't worry. We don't even have to do that because later in this episode, we're going to use Cass's grace for a spell. So like, don't worry, oh about it. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. We'll get there. So so much don't worry about it. Oh my Well God. Okay, <laughs> on that note, Jack is like confirming he might be soulless, but he has common sense <laughs> because he's like, if I take out most of your life force and you like die die, like how do we come back from that? <laughs> what if I screw up? Cass, Cass is like, well, then I'm lost forever. But don't worry, you won't. Yeah, you'll do fine, son. Yeah. Go ahead, champ. Go ahead, sport. <laughs> you got this. We've done this before plenty of times. And, like, you're soulless, so I completely ju- trust your judgment. <laughs> oh, um, and also, you need to feed this bowl. Um, otherwise, yeah. Sam and Dean will also be lost forever. It- oh. And, like, Cass, are you sure? No, but let's do it. Like, and I'm just, like, you You could do a what if. You could do, like, a coda where Jack is, like, you know what? I am soulless. <laughs> and I don't actually have, a, like, a hand in the game here. So, fuck y'all. Bye. And you could have Cass dead, Sam and Dean stuck in hell, and then here's our new protagonist, Jack the Soulless Entity. <laughs> Christ. I, it's so wild to me. It's buck wild, and I love it, and I hate it. <laughs> he, Cass is literally just waiting for Sam and Dean to come back through the door. Like, why couldn't he have just waited to see if they came back with the oculum? Why was it so urgent that he talked to Ruby? I don't know. I don't know. He just was like, I'm right, they're wrong. So I'm going to sing the <laughs> I was right song in, in death. But, like, it's coming. Stern words to follow. (laughs) Stern words to follow. But Jack's just, okay. 
and uses yeah. his powers just a little bit to siphon Cass's life force into a flask that I love Cass just knew had to be somewhere. He was like, I just need something. And I know that Dean has uh, stashes all over the place. So, you know, open enough drawers and I'll find whiskey somewhere. I I love that, and I would have loved if there had been, like, a drink in it, and so, like, Cass has to, like, finish off the flask, and then he's like, okay, cool, there we go, <laughs> like, I'm on this level. I, 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 Cass did unscrew it, turn it upside down, and kind of shake it out, so I'm like, he was checking. He could have just drank it. <laughs> he just didn't care if there was suddenly whiskey all over the floor. Like, Remy, can we just take a moment to appreciate we're this far into this episode and there's still no fucking alt Sam and Dean. <laughs> we are so close to the halfway point. It has been 20 minutes and there's so much more. There's so much more to go. Uh, we're still on, like, the roller coaster doing the tick, 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 tick ascent we're getting close to that initial throw you over the edge and then loop-de-loo your way towards the end. But, like, Jesus Christ, I'm only human. I just, I I love the concept. Uh, I love this alt-Sam and Dean. Because when you yes. think about it, when you really think about it... it- in, in the episode as a whole, there is literally no reason for them to be there. They are... <laughs> they are the definition of a gratuitous just insert on... I had an idea, and I'm going to share it with you guys. I would love if they, like, appear in a later episode for no fucking reason. I'll take it. <laughs> Because this was fucking squandered, but we we don't get into it. We don't get into it. That's for later. <laughs> That's for next week. Oh my god. I love it. I love it. This <gasps> I do this episode I is such really a hot it. mess and I really love it. <laughs> it must be like the feeling of standing in the eye of the hurricane, like Everything's getting tossed around you, and you can feel the wind licking at your clothes and pulling at it, and you're like, I'm in danger. Like, you're fucking <laughs> Ralph Wiggins. Like, I'm in danger. <laughs> but it's really exhilarating. Your pulse is up, and your breath is coming quick, and you feel alive. <laughs> like, for I, what it's I worth. Just- yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Winchesters as a whole, they're just they're just undiagnosed um adrenaline junkies who have to fucking eat tables full of fried chicken and throw themselves at the feet of at the mercy of the entity that wants you dead to uh to feel alive. Oh my god. I mean, it's season 15, and they're on a quest to kill God. I guess, like, a good old-fashioned Rougarou hunt is just not going to give you the same high. <laughs> we had a werewolf, right? Yeah. We had a couple Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you you could feel how flat they felt while doing it. Oh, my God. It's fine. We have one more what before before we call it a night okay yes so now we go back to hell 
And the demon has apparently been leading Sam and Dean in circles because they recognize this corner of hell. And so when they square up with him, it turns out that he was just basically waiting, I think, for two other demons to show up. And it looks like Rowena's elite bodyguard unit-esque women. Uh huh. And it's time for a 3v2 fight. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they're walking down this hallway, and Dean and Sam are like, is this starting to feel like, uh, it's a trap! So yeah, It's a trap! It's a trap! They get jumped, they're outnumbered, we have a, somehow, my, like, really, uh, uh, it's uncharitable of me, but my only thought this whole hell thing was when did demons get so boring? I was like, when did demons get angel blades? <laughs> and why do they and even like, have angel blades? Freaking uh, normal blades will work just as good, guys. I, I just like, they w- aren't fallen angels. These are just demons. Like these are corrupted human souls. Where did you guys get angel blades? Unless Rowena was like, and I raided the Winchester stash before I jumped into <laughs> the rupture. Like, but it's not only that, but we saw these two figures, or at least some of their kin in Rowena's elite fighting group that like handed them their asses thoroughly mm-hmm. back in episode eight. And then this time, I guess one of them just stands by while Dean kills the other and then goes to fight Dean. And Sam deals with this other, the first demon that was leading them around. And Dean manages to kill both the elite squad and they have the initial demon under wraps. Sam's got a hold on him. And so what the fuck was that about, hey? (laughs) I mean, we're also assuming that they're of the, you know, Rowena's elite just because they're dressed in all black, like, like we saw before. Yeah, they're, they're given the visual. And again, we're in a visual medium. If you're dressing them that way, then you're leading us to interpret it that fashion. And if you don't want us to, then don't unintentionally lead us that direction. I... It's lazy either way. If it was just, this is how demons look now. Or if or it like, was, these are Rowena's elite and and they're just conveniently bad at things. I was going to say, yeah. like Cass, conveniently not being able to see demon faces anymore. Or yeah. Conveniently forgetting the super strength, which we tend to do yeah. very often. Yeah, again, I was like, you could just hold that door, buddy. Sam could not, but. (laughs) But yeah, hey, demons, what the fuck? And so the guy explains that Joe told them she would bust them out of hell if they helped her get them waylaid. Not waylaid, if we I was trying to be generous. (laughs) (laughs) Well... uh... The deal was, we kill you, she'll break us out of hell. And why? The question is asked, why would she want us dead? Ask her yourself. But 
that's the big question. Why would Joe and want them dead? When? And when? They are <laughs> saying we need Joe's help to bust out of hell. Joe is an angel. I d- doesn't go to hell. I don't we know. We need a spell to go to hell. <laughs> but she's just like, ring, ding, ding. I have a banana phone and they answer on the other end. And I'm like, hey, I don't know who I'm talking to. But like, you're going to see sanity. <laughs> Even though we explicitly said that hell is a huge place. That it was a lot of searching to do. But you're going to run into them. And if you do, just kill them. I'll take your word for <laughs> it. And then I'll bust you up here. Like, I can do that. The end by... <laughs> I have problems with this. I have many problems with with everything. I there's just so much. I kind of want to talk about it more next week when we flesh out this whole Joe Ruby thing a little bit more, but um I was actually feeling better about Joe's not not better about Joe's motivations and the portrayal of Joe in this episode but um I I felt like it was a little bit more intentional than I originally gave it credit for Joe's betrayal Joe's um initially misleading the Winchester uh I think that it's going to come back. I think that this is not just a, you know, the writers wanted to get from A to B and this was a convenient way to do so. I think there's a little bit more substance to it than we, than was even written into the episode where it kind of should have been. But I think we're going to revisit it. Okay. I, I need this because I do not see the substance. So I see the sense it makes within this 43 minute slot. Yeah. I don't see how that slots into the hole. Yeah. I think that Joe was so mischaracterized in this episode or, or she wasn't written correctly to her character this episode. So it kind of obscured any motivations there may be, any actually, like, greater plot that we may be leading to, but I think it is there. Let's let's finish out this scene that we're going to have with Joe, our last scene with present-day Joe, and then I might I may can talk on it a little bit better. Yeah. Okay. Because right now, so. my question is exactly that. Why would she want us dead? Why would she send us to hell? Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so this scene rounds out with them killing the demon and confirming that they need to go back topside to refigure out where mm-hmm. the occultum must be. And the l- last scene that we're going to talk about in this episode is with Anael. There is one last client wheeling in to see her asking for help, but she's like, nope, not here. And if I can give you one piece of free advice, don't make friends. They always ask too much of you. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? Exactly. Um, so my impression that this is something actually 
bigger to Joe and it's not just going to be like the next time we see her, they're going to be like, what the fuck? And she'll say, ah, sorry, business is business. And then they'll just move on. Um, I, I think that a nail is going to come later to be more of an antagonist. I think she is going to side with the monsters the monster being, you know, the the monster at the end of the book, Chuck, here. Um, she learned this episode that God is back and that he wants to end the world. And she says, so you want me to decide with you? That doesn't seem like the the winning side here. And if we know anything about Joe, it's that she's looking out for herself. And on this final scene, we have Joe packing up her operation. She's burning her pamphlets. She's she's retired. She's out of here. And she's, you know, giving up what she built for herself here because I, I don't I don't know the because, but I can speculate on it. Okay, that that's a lot more generous than I was giving this because my impression was from previous episodes that Joe is a traveling faith healer. She goes from mm-hmm. place to place. And so she just decided that she's done at this place and she's going to the next one. And to the fact that she didn't side with Sam and Dean when they said Chuck is back and he's here to destroy the world. I can just read that as she doesn't believe them Mm -hmm. and she is not on anyone's side. She's on her side, but they come to her and be like, you need to help us because God's ending the world. She's like, this sounds like a bunch of bullshit because the last we saw her in, in episode 17 of season 14, she was like, you can call for God all you want, but he's not coming. Like we are all here for ourselves. So I just don't see her as becoming an antagonist. I don't see, I would be surprised if we see her again this season, but it just felt to me like she sent them on a goose chase that she hoped would kill them to keep them off of her plate. And mm-hmm. she was just going to set up next shop. Oh no. I like yours too. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate to think that this is the very last that we're seeing of Joe. Yeah, I agree. I I like her. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was forming I was very much thinking, okay, what is it going to be like when we see her next? Mm-hmm. But I forget that there's only so many episodes left until the actual end of it all. And it would make sense to me that her comments on, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm retired. I'm moving on. And her parting words, too only really makes sense in the context of this is a farewell. She she says, don't make friends. They ask too much of you. And it's 
it, it really is a parting shot in that she was starting to maybe open the door. Yeah, open the door a little bit. And that's kind of the conversations that she was having with Cass in game night in season 14. Um, we, we got a lot of insight into her character, you know, her, how she feels about God and a God that would abandon the world to pain and how she does want for people, but would never admit it. So here her saying like, she felt betrayed. Like we said, this was a betrayal when Sam and Dean said no you are we are willing to sacrifice you if it gets us what we want and and that could have been the okay well then fuck you moment yeah what what i was thinking with a what if on the next time that we see joe is that she she was you know burning those bridges and then uh we open that final shot with her burning her pray with Joe pamphlets. So it very much read to me as a cut and run, but what is she running to was my she question. She burned the pamphlets? Yeah. I mustn't have caught that. There's just yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um the opening shot is just a, a trash can and she's burning her pray for Joe, pray with mm. Joe pamphlets. Rolling up her sign and retiring to Florida. Yeah, uh, but of course, I, I don't. We we don't we don't take it to be she's retiring to Florida. She's she's got to be going somewhere. Is the thought that I was having. So where what is that and and what is it going to be like? Who is mm. she going to be the next time that we see her? But through the lens of this is her final appearance in the show. I can absolutely get behind that as well. As as sad as it makes me, I I I don't like to think that we're we're saying goodbye to these characters. Yeah, I like that you're leaving it open. I like your interpretation, giving that space for her to come back in whatever fashion she wants. That maybe she has shed these games that she's playing of conning people for their money. Mm-hmm. Not really conning, but like extorting people for money and just see where her next iteration is and what it looks like. I'm going to have more thoughts about about what she's running to or from at the end of this episode when we cover it next week. But yeah, I didn't really think on it as this is the last we've seen of her. So I was just thinking of what's next for her mm-hmm. oh no i'm <laughs> you you were the bastard that told me that that uh kim was saying goodbye on on twitter after last week's episode yeah. and and i had no idea that that was potentially or you know now with Kim's statements, likely the very last that we have seen of Jody in Supernatural. Yeah. And to think that for a, a character so loved and integral to the show, uh, they're already exiting 
Um, yeah. Feels bad. It feels bad. Feels bad. And also, I want, like, a, a fucking tornado warning. Beep, beep, beep. Scroll across the bottom. Like, <laughs> hey, say goodbye properly. Like, just say goodbye because this is the last that you're seeing of them. Just an FYI. I... I, like, upset myself today where I just thought out of the blue about how the writers are, like, they've they've spent years giving us these characters and giving them life. And, like, they're going to be kind of packing up these books and putting the characters away. And Yeah. <sighs> this yeah. is happening. This is happening. And this week we had Buck Lemming. As a writing team that's been writing for 15 years for Supernatural, say, oh shit, after this we only have one episode left. We better break out the notebooks and get it all in in this one. Yeah, here's my top 10 list and they're all going in. We're doing a crazy, <laughs> like, stone soup-esque moment here. <laughs> I absolutely believe. So, Yeah. We will leave this episode here and on the tantalizing note that we will return next week to Cass and his journey in the empty and Sam and Dean's return from hell. Yes, yes. This here was part one of season 13. 13! <laughs> season, season 13, episode 15. <laughs> of supernaturals season 15 episode 13 destiny's child we will pick it back up next week in the meanwhile we are always available through tumblr twitter our website our patreon if you would like some new and exciting content and if you guys want to leave a five-star review or just a review, that is deeply appreciated. That helps us reach a greater audience out there. So if you do take the time for that, we thank you very much. Yeah, always. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.